Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. I was supposed to talk about Simeon and Anna this morning. That was the plan. Uh, But I'm sorry to say for all of you um, Anna fans, uh, we're just not going to have time to get to her. Uh, We're going to spend all morning looking at Simeon. And uh, there just isn't enough time. I'm sorry. We need another week before Christmas. We could do another sermon and we could talk about Anna. But this morning, uh, just Simeon. I want to read for you um, a story that goes along with uh, this image. Uh, This is a collection of stories by a Canadian author by the name of William Kurelek. It's important that you know he's Canadian because the title of the book is A Northern Nativity. This book is a collection of short stories that are recollections of William's dreams when he was a child. He would have these dreams when he was a child about what it would have been like, what it would have looked like if Jesus had come to his hometown in the frozen northern tundra of Canada. Instead of Bethlehem in, uh, in the Middle East, what would it have looked like if Jesus would have showed up in his town I'm going to read for you this brief story called At the Falls, and uh, this image on the screen is what goes along with it. Um, I'm sorry the image isn't awesome on the screen, but um, hopefully you can tell it's a giant frozen waterfall. There's a crowd of several uh, folks who have come to gaze at this wonder, Um, and then you can't see it super well, but at the bottom right-hand side of the screen there is a woman standing by herself, and she's holding up a child. Here's the story. Dreams are muddled things. Times get all mixed up. Far separated places blend into one. Two or more different people seem to be one and the same. The impossible becomes possible, and strangely, the possible sometimes becomes impossible. In this dream, William sees the greatest falls in North America, It has been colder than usual that winter, and the falls have frozen. Here and there, he sees cascading water with mist rising from it. The rest is an enormous jumble of icebergs and convoluted snowbanks stretching across the gorge, dazzling in the winter sun. Hundreds of people have come to see the magnificent sight. They lean against the railing, taking pictures and commenting to each other on the beauty before them. Then William sees two figures in the background. It is Mary holding up the infant so he too can see the ice marvel. For a moment, they seem like any mother and child in the crowd, but they are not just any mother and child. And William knows it. He tries in his dream to get the attention of the crowd. Turn and look. You're missing the creator for the creation. But William can't wake the people. He only woke himself from his dream. Let's pray.
Jesus, we want to be awake to your presence. We don't want to miss you, especially at Christmas. So we ask in your grace and mercy that you would open our eyes so that we might see you, so that we might not miss you right there, right here, among us, with us, in us. Jesus, we want to enjoy the wonder of frozen falls. We want to enjoy the wonder of creation. We want to enjoy the wonder of candy canes and mistletoe and Christmas trees and giving and receiving presents. We want to enjoy these things, but more than ever, we want to enjoy you, Jesus, who took on flesh and dwelled among us who became one of us, born a child that night in Bethlehem. Don't let us miss you, Jesus. Open our eyes, we pray in your good name. And God's people said, amen. As you uh, maybe know, if you've been here the last several weeks, we have been considering various characters of Christmas During the season of Advent, we have been looking at this wonderful story of the birth of Jesus. And don't get fooled by that word story. This is not a make-believe story. This is a story that takes place in real history. And in this real story, we're considering a number of characters. A few weeks ago, we considered Mary. It seems like she's a central figure, a character that we ought to consider And I suggested to you that when we listen and respond to the Lord's voice, nothing is impossible. Although we don't have the privilege that Mary had, the privilege of actually Jesus living inside of us the way that Mary did, we we did see that the living God, the God of Mary, wants to put within each of our broken lives the life of his Son. And that when the life of God's Son lives within us, broken lives are made whole. Shipwrecked plans become lighthouses of hope. Hard hearts become malleable. In other words, nothing is impossible when God puts the life of his Son within us. Then we turned the page on this story and we considered Zachariah and Elizabeth. Sorry, their names are too long. Couldn't fit them on there. So it's Zach and Liz this morning. And we considered this reality that despite what we believe to be our deficiencies, the Lord works through us. You see, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were both pretty old. They were well beyond childbearing years and they were without children, which in their context was a disgrace. But they weren't too old for the Lord to use. So miraculously, Elizabeth bears a child, a son who we know as John the Baptizer. The Lord turned what had been a disgrace into a great dignity in their lives. And he does the same for us. We turn the page again and we consider Joseph. And I argued with you, I didn't argue with you, but I suggested to you that we, like Joseph, must align our lives with the Lord's plan. Joseph Joseph shows us that when we seek to do the righteous thing, when we seek to earnestly do what is right, 
with God and with others, that God will come to us in our wrestling. He will come and he will guide us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what he did for Joseph. Joseph heard God speak to him in his dreams. Joseph was a dreamer. But Joseph wasn't only a dreamer. He was also a doer. Joseph did what he dreamed the Lord telling him to do. He did what God instructed him to do. And you and I also must do what God tells us to do. We must align our lives with the plans God has set forth for us. And then today, we're going to take a look at Simeon. Sorry again for the Anna fans among us. Simeon is this priest who receives the child Jesus in the temple. And cradling Jesus in his arms, he experiences deep and profound joy. Because he knew that the one he was looking at in his arms was none other than the one who provides salvation. The one who is in himself salvation. And this is why I'm going to suggest to you this morning that joy comes from seeing Jesus. Joy comes from seeing Jesus. I want to read for you a poem. It's a poem uh, by Drew Jackson. Drew Jackson is... Uh, a pastor in New York City. is the founding pastor of Hope East Village Church in New York. And uh, he wrote this collection of poems. It's wonderful. It's called uh, God Speaks Through Wombs. You think of Elizabeth's womb. You think of Mary's womb. You think of Sarah's womb. God speaks to us through wombs. And he wrote this poem. It's called We Gun Be All Right. It's been a long time coming to be all right. And I believe it because I've seen it. We gun be all right. And I believe it because I've seen it. I think that poem captures exactly what was going on in Simeon's heart as he cradled Jesus in his arms. We are going to be all right. Simeon breaks out into song when he holds Jesus. It's Luke 2, verse 29 through 31. Melissa has already read it for us. Simeon sings because he's so thrilled. He's so overjoyed. I think joy is the primary emotion that Simeon is experiencing as he sings. In fact, I think that's why he sings, because he's overjoyed. And he begins his song in verse 29. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. Simeon could finally be at peace because he held in his arms the prince of peace. The one whom the prophet Isaiah had been talking about. 700 years before this moment. The one whom Simeon and all of his people had been looking forward to all of those 700 years since the prophet Isaiah wrote about it. Peace is what Simeon is after. And peace is what you and I are ultimately after as well, isn't it? Peace. Peace on the outside. You know, peace on the outside is always nice, although... It doesn't come very often, does it? And we also know that peace on the outside is almost entirely out of our control. 
we also know that peace on the outside does not necessarily translate into peace on the inside, peace in our hearts. But Simeon saw this one whom he cradled in his arms and he knew the one he cradled was the one who would bring peace on the inside and peace on the outside. How did he know this? How did Simeon know that the one he cradled was the Prince of Peace? Two things. First of all, we're told in verse 25 and 27 that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit and that he was guided by the Holy Spirit. So Simeon has the Holy Spirit living inside of him and the Holy Spirit is testifying to who this is he's cradling in his arms. The Holy Spirit is guiding Simeon's mind and heart and opening Simeon's eyes so that he can see this one. This one is the Prince of Peace. Secondly, Simeon recognized who Jesus was because it was all according to the scriptures. He says this in his song, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, according to your word. Simeon had spent a whole bunch of time in the scriptures, in the word of God, where the living God reveals who he is and what his plans for the world are. Where God reveals his self and his sovereign plan. Simeon knew that the word of God had been pointing to this moment, to this person all along. Because he was familiar with the scriptures, because he spent time soaking in the word of God, he knew that this is the one to whom they had all been pointing for centuries. And I think that the scripture that Simeon specifically had in mind was the scripture from Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read this for you. It's a little bit long. I want to invite you just to soak it up. Just listen. Don't try to catch everything. Don't try to understand everything. Just let your heart soak up these words. Try and get the big picture here. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 9. I think this is what was going through Simeon's mind as he looked at this baby in his arms. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when they are dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all of the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? For a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. Friends, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will do this. Simeon could see that Jesus was this child. That Jesus was the gift of a son given whom Isaiah had spoken of 700 years before. 
In Drew Jackson's words, we're going to be all right. For I have seen it and I believe it. I think that Simeon's story helps us see that God's word is trustworthy and true because it reflects reality. God's word is trustworthy and true because it reflects reality. The Bible tells the story of what is really real. And what is really real, even more than mistletoe and candy canes, what is really real is that Jesus has come to rescue us. Do you know that that's what his name means, Jesus? The name Jesus means God to the rescue. Yahweh saves, Yeshua. That's what his name means. Jesus has come to rescue us, to bring salvation to any who will receive it. So Simeon continues his song. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. You got to see it to believe it. And Simeon was seeing it, man. There's a lot of seeing going on in Luke's gospel in the first couple of chapters when he tells the story of Jesus' birth. There's a lot of seeing. Listen to just a few places where we see a bunch of seeing taking place. I'm just going to read them real quickly so you can get an idea. Luke chapter 2 verse 10, the angel of the Lord says to Mary, see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Luke 2 15, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. Luke 2 26, we just read that. It's been it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then Simeon's song, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. If we were to continue reading in Luke's gospel, we would get to chapter 3, verse 6, where John the Baptist is all grown up now. So is Jesus. And John the Baptist says about Jesus, all flesh shall see, that's a tongue twister, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And if we keep reading in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus himself says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim a whole bunch of really good stuff, including this, the recovery of sight to the blind. There it is. The recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus opens our eyes so that we can see. He's the great eye opener. He'll open your eyes too. When he opens Simeon's eyes, what does Simeon see? My eyes have seen your salvation, he says. Simeon's blindness turned into sight enables him to see the Lord's salvation which is not a philosophy, which is not a concept, which is not even a way of life. It is a person. And that person has a name, and that name is Yeshua, Jesus, God to the rescue. It also, when Simeon's eyes are opened to God's salvation, he realizes that he needs this salvation. He needs this Savior. And when our blindness is turned into sight by Jesus himself, we begin also to see that we need this Savior too, that we need to be rescued because we are slaves to sin. 
This was my experience when Jesus began to open my eyes in the fall of 1997. I was a college student. Before that semester in college, I was blind to my own slavery, blind to my own sin, blind to my own need for a savior, blind to my lostness. I just couldn't see. Jesus opened my eyes and I realized for the first time that I needed him badly. It's been said that the good news of Jesus is so good because the bad news without Jesus is so bad. We're in dire straits without Jesus. The world is in dire straits without Jesus. Sin sin has a stranglehold on us. Have you ever had this experience where you walk out of a store and you realize that some of the items in your bag that you thought you purchased, you didn't actually pay for, somehow the clerk messed something up or missed a few things, and you walked out of the store having not paid for these items? Have you ever had the experience when you walk back into the store to pay for the items that you haven't yet paid for, and the clerk says to you something like, well, it's very kind and very thoughtful of you. Thank you so much for coming back in. Uh, but it's really more hassle than it's worth. So just thank you very much. Have a nice day. That's pretty cool, right? Have you ever had that happen to you? It's pretty cool. Although, I mean, it's not that cool because the item was only $6.57, right? But what if your bank calls you and tells you that your $659,000 mortgage has been forgiven? Yeah, that's really, really, really good news. (laughs) Sounds like some of you can relate to that. Simeon's song continues. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Oh, there's so much deep and fantastic theology wrapped up in these few lines. And you know what? We are not even going to scrape the surface. But I do want to highlight one thing. I want your eyes to be open to just one thing about this part of Simeon's song, about these verses. One thing. The salvation that Simeon cradled in his arms is for all people. All people, no limitations, no exceptions, no disqualifications. Salvation for all people. All people who receive the gift of this child in Simeon's arms will be saved. Remember Isaiah 9? Isaiah had said about this Messiah, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. A child born for us, a son given to us. For whom? To whom? Simeon tells us, for all people. For everyone who will receive him. And if you haven't received him, Will you receive this gift that Simeon is so excited about, that he's so overjoyed with as he cradles him in his arms?
All we have to do is receive the gift. He'll open our eyes to see that we are in desperate need of a Savior. And he will fill our hearts and our minds with joy. Not the kind of veneer of joy. The kind of joy that might come from when our circumstances align right. Which comes every once in a while, but not very often. It's not that kind of joy, that kind of fleeting joy. It's a deep and lasting joy because it comes from knowing that you are deeply loved before you were even born. Will you receive this gift cradled in Simeon's arms? We're going to pray a little bit later and we're going to pray towards that end. Speaking of endings, let me end with this. About 30 years after Simeon cradled Jesus in his arms, a man named Philip saw Jesus as an adult. You know, Jesus is like 30 or something. And Philip realizes that this Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. God has opened Philip's eyes and he can see that Jesus is the Messiah. And so what does he do? Well, he does what any sane person would do. He goes and he tells his friends, come and see the Messiah, the one we've been hoping for and longing for. He tells his friend Nathaniel, come and see Jesus of Nazareth. And of course, Nathaniel is the one who's sort of become infamous for saying these words. (laughs) Can anything good come from Nazareth? Eventually, Philip convinces Nathaniel, look, just just come and see. Just come and meet the guy. Just check out this man named Jesus, and then you can decide whether or not anything good comes out of Nazareth. And so Nathaniel goes, and as Nathaniel is on his way, before he's even said a word to Jesus, before he has met Jesus, Jesus says to Nathaniel, here is truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathaniel is taken aback obviously he's shocked he's like what is happening here where did you come to know me he asks Jesus how do you know this about me we've never even met I'm putting words in Nathaniel's mouth I can imagine he thought these sorts of things and Jesus answers Nathaniel Nathaniel I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you Nathaniel went to see Jesus But it turns out that Jesus had already had his eyes on Nathanael for a very long time. Even when we don't yet see Jesus, Jesus already sees us. Even when we don't yet love Jesus, Jesus already loves us. Even when we don't yet pursue Jesus, Jesus is pursuing us. That's what Christmas is all about. Why do you think he came? Why do you think he was born? Why do you think he took on flesh and dwelled among us? It's because he's pursuing you. He wants to be near you and with you. He's come to rescue you so that you can be with him. As the chaplain of Cambridge University and the poet Malcolm Geet has written, he says, Jesus' full-eyed love looks us out of pain and into delight. Isn't that marvelous? Jesus' full-eyed love looks us out of pain and into delight. Jesus' full-eyed love looked Nathaniel out of his pain and into delight. Jesus' full-eyed love, even as an infant, looked Simeon out of his pain and into delight so that Simeon could rejoice, my eyes have seen your salvation. My hope for you 
Um, I hope for all of us, especially over the course of these next six days leading up to Christmas, especially now, my hope is that Jesus' full-eyed love would look you, would look us out of pain and into delight so that we can join Simeon in his joy, so that we can join the saints all across the globe today and all across history who have been singing, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, cradled in Simeon's arms, the Lord's salvation, come to rescue us. Joyful, Joyful, we adore you, Jesus. For in Christ, we are going to be more than all right. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Jesus, thank you that you have come, that you took on flesh and you dwelled among us, that you became one of us, that you humbled yourself to this estate. And that now you are among us by your spirit. That you are living in us by your spirit. Open our eyes. Because we don't want to miss you, Jesus. We want to enjoy the candy canes and the mistletoe. Uh, We want to enjoy the lit up Christmas trees. We want to enjoy giving, receiving gifts. We want to enjoy those traditions that our families tend to enjoy. But more than that, And more than that, we want to enjoy you, Jesus, the hope of the world, the giver of joy, the prince of peace. And if you are here this morning and and you've never received this gift, I would just invite you to pray with me right now. Jesus, I receive you. I receive your gift of your presence in my life. I'm realizing that I need a savior, that I'm kind of like stuck in sin and that there doesn't seem to be any way out and that you offer a way out, a way up, a way into your heart. Jesus, we receive you, the gift of salvation, the gift of hope and joy the gift of a future into eternity with you. For all of us, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live into that reality that the Bible speaks to. That reality that because of Jesus, we are going to be all right to say it mildly. Jesus, don't let us miss you. Especially, especially don't let us miss you this Christmas season. We want to see and experience that holy night when Christ was born. Jesus, We love you. Receive our praise.
Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpchb.org.